Yes. Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you for joining me today for today's message from the Word of God. Three weeks ago, we started a new message series called Now What? And we're going through the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and it's a very exciting journey that we're on. First, I want to share with you a quote I found in the Westminster Catechism. It says, it's a very famous quote, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Let me say that again. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. <laughs> forever is a long time, and joy or enjoying God forever is our main purpose, why we were created, and we will see some of those things today because today we're going to talk about what is going on in heaven. What do we have to look forward to? What's coming our way? All those, all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are followers of Him. So let's recap for just a bit. In chapter 1 of Revelation, and Revelation is the last book of 66 in the Bible. It has 22 chapters. And in the first chapter, we see how the Apostle John is opening the letter. It's actually a letter. The book of Revelation is a prophetic book, but it's also a circular letter to seven churches in Asia, which today is modern Turkey on the west side of modern Turkey. And the first thing that he sees is Jesus. He sees Jesus in all of his glory. He has a, a grandiose vision of the resurrected, glorified Lord Jesus Christ, our Messiah. So he sees Jesus. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And as I've said before, revelation is not a revelation of the Antichrist or the beast or the number 666 or the tribulation period or any of that. It's all in there. All of it is discussed in this book in some way or another. But the main focus must be the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the way the book opens. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, First of all, we have to see Jesus. By the way, that is the subject of all of the Bible. Not just the New Testament, actually also the Old Testament as it foresees the coming of Jesus. See, all of the people in the Old Testament that were believers in Yahweh, they were longing for the Messiah to come, and come he did. He came, he was born in Bethlehem, like Micah the prophet in chapter 5 verse 1 says, and announces he will be born in Bethlehem, and he will ride in on a donkey, uh, Zechariah 9 verse 9. So there's many prophetic scriptures that have already been fulfilled 
uh, at the time when Jesus came for the first time. By the way, if you believe and fully trust in the Jesus of the first coming, you will be fully ready for the Jesus of the second coming. So many prophecies, uh, well, actually all of the prophecies that uh, we're talking about the first coming of Christ have been fulfilled uh, about 2,000 years ago already. But the Bible also prophesies a second coming. It prophesies a new heaven, a new earth, paradise restored, Eden restored, as we can see in chapters 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the book of Revelation. But chapter 1 is all about Jesus. John sees Jesus. Then our last message uh, was around chapters 2 and 3, where we have seven letters to seven churches in that region in Asia, in modern-day Turkey. Uh, and we looked at the church of Ephesus, and we looked at the church of Laodicea, the first of the seven and the last of the seven. And the reason we did that is because I believe that those two churches uh, really show the condition of the church, of the Jesus followers uh, today in the world we live in today. Now, all the seven churches, all the content of all the letters to the seven churches are relevant and applicable to us today in some way. They're written for all churches of all times, all over the world, at all times. So, but I really thought Ephesus, where he says, hey, you're doing great works. You're busy for me. You are standing strong, but you have left your first love. You, you work hard, but you don't do it out of love for me or for people. You are doing the right things, but not out of the motivation of love. Turn around, do a 180, repent, go back to your first love and what, what you did in the beginning and the way and the motivation you did it for in the beginning, return to your first love. That was Ephesus and the last one, Laodicea was, hey, uh, you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, you think you're rich, you think you see, you think, you know, you got it all, you don't need anything, but you are wrong, you're poor, wretched, and uh, hey, you need me, you are poor, you, you may have everything in the natural, you may have it comfortable, you may have the things you want to buy in this world, you know, very much like Christianity today, but you don't realize how poor and how wretched and how in what bad of a condition you're actually in. So, why am I repeating this? Because number one, we have to see Jesus. And number two, we have to see and think and contemplate our own personal condition, the condition of our heart. And now... We're going to chapter 4. Now, if you're new to this, if you're new to the Bible, and now you hear me talk about Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the uh, Apocalypse, you know, uh, this may not be the book that most Christians or even most people 
that are not Christian would start the Bible reading plan with. You know, you may want to start in John or in Romans. Uh, you know, you may take a book that is a little simpler and talks about, you know, much more about the first coming of Christ and what he's done for you and me and, and so, so forth, forth. But it's not that difficult to understand Revelation. But you have to understand it's 22 chapters, First chapter is about Jesus. All of it is about Jesus. But the first chapter, he sees Jesus. Chapter 2 and 3, it's about, hey, look at yourself. Look at the condition of your heart and repent. That's what we have to do. And now in chapter 4, we will look at chapter 4 today. It's all about heaven. In chapter 1, John saw Jesus. In chapter 4, John sees heaven. He sees heaven and he sees God's throne. And next week we'll be in chapter 5 and we'll see the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God that was given for us, that was slaughtered for us, that died for us and shed his blood for us um, before the beginning of time. And he has a book, a scroll of seven seals. We'll talk about that next week. So the first five chapters, chapter 1, Jesus, chapter 2 and 3, us, the church, you and I, the condition of our heart. Chapter 4, heaven and God on his throne. Chapter 5, the Lamb of God on the throne and a book with seven seals. Very exciting. And as we will also see in chapter 4 and 5, one of the main themes is worship which is a theme of the whole Bible. The longest book in the Bible, the Psalms, is a hymn book, a worship book, a prayer book. It's all about worship. And in Revelation, actually, as we see in the, in the following chapters, as we will see, it's all about worship as well because there will be people, many people who will worship the beast, who will worship the false god. And that's happening today and it will also happen in the future. So it's worship. See, the fact of the matter is, you are a worshiper. You are worshiping something in your life. Worship is central to our life. As Christians, we worship Yahweh. We worship Jesus. We worship the only true and living God, the great I Am, and His Son, Jesus Christ, and none other. But everybody worships. Whether they realize it or not, they may worship, uh, you know, at the God of money or God of sex, mammon, uh, pleasure, um, whatever people are worshiping. They may be worshiping another person uh, or a child or whatever. You see worship everywhere. Some people even worship cars or things or homes or houses. So worship is central to everything. And that needs to center us today as we talk about the book of Revelation. It is about Jesus. It is about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the churches worldwide. And it is about heaven and the future and a new heaven and a new earth. Now, let's read Revelation chapter 4. That's 11 verses. It's our text for today. It is breathtaking. And hey, if you, after today's message, think, man, you, you didn't, that, that message was not really, you know, that good. 
Well, let me tell you something. Today's message, I really can't get it right. Or let's put it this way. What I say will be right, but I can't do heaven justice. It is so grandiose. Jesus is so awesome. Heaven and the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem that we are heading toward is so incredible that I don't think anybody could preach it adequately. But I will try, okay? So if you, if you think, hey, Carl Michael, nice try. You did a good job, but, but not really. Then I'm okay with that. I realize that it's uh, heaven we're talking about. And, man, words will fail us. See, Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 12 or 2 Corinthians 12, I forget. He says he, he was uh, taken up into the third heaven, which is the heaven where God is. You know, we have the first heaven, which is when you look up into the sky, well, that, that's the first heaven. Then above that, beyond our atmosphere, is the second heaven. But the Bible says there's a third heaven, which we don't know exactly where that is. We just know who is there, which is much more exciting than knowing where it is. Who is there is God, is Jesus, and we get to enjoy him forever, which is what we are made to do and made to be. And if that's what we are made to do and made to be, hey, I guarantee you it's going to be the most awesome thing you've ever done for all eternity. So Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 after this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of a jasper and a carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like a crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. The third living creature, like the face of a man. And the fourth living creatures, like an eagle in flight. Now, let me stop here real quick. I believe the 24 elders uh, that were clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head actually uh, represent um, the believers, the, the church, the, 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 all those from the Old and New Testament who have been washed in the blood of Jesus, thus, thus the white garments, and uh, were given golden crowns like uh, Paul talks about in his letters, there is prepared for me a crown of righteousness. So those 24 elders symbolize or represent the whole people of God from the Old and New Testament washed in the blood of the Lamb, and in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he shed when he died for us. So that's, that's uh, representing 
you and me as we are clothed in God's righteousness and as we are given crowns of righteousness. And the four living creatures are actually some special category of heavenly beings. I don't have the time to get into that right now. There's a couple different theories of, of what they may be or what they may represent, but those are heavenly beings in a very special category. Let's leave it at that for right now. Then in in verse 8, it goes on, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you, were, for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. For your will or by your will, they existed and worked for your pleasure. It is your will and for your pleasure that these things were created. So Jesus shows John heaven. He gives him a tour. He gives him a revelation of it in chapters 4 and 5. And here's the good news. If you're a Jesus follower, if you trust fully in him, and what he has done, if you don't trust in what you do or what you have done and your goodness, your own righteousness, but you fully trust in his righteousness, then one day you will see heaven. Absolutely. You will see heaven. If you're a Jesus follower, no matter what church you belong to or not belong to, don't belong to, you will see heaven. Heaven. That's the reason that the Apostle Paul could say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, well, if I died right now, if I physically died right now, you would miss me. I would be missing on earth for sure. And you may still need me. But to, to leave my body means to be present with the Lord, to be with Jesus, which would be far Better In 2 Corinthians 5, uh, around 7 or 8, verse 7 or 8, it says, Absence from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we know that as we leave our body here, we go to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We go to be with God. And, but that's not the end of the story. One day, there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. You know, there's basically, the Bible is the story of, of two, two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem, and the world and the Word, you know, the world and Christ. Um, so that's what we have to look forward to. So it's not bad at all. This is a great deal. Trusting in Jesus will assure that we will end up in heaven. Now, Let's look at Revelation 21, which is the, the second to the last um, chapter of the whole Bible. So, 
uh, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. So, John sees heaven and later he's promised a new heaven and a new earth with no tears, no pain, no suffering, no sadness, no lamenting, not even a night, not even the sun because he himself, God himself will be the light. What once was will be no more. That's incredible, you know. That is so awesome as we go to the, to the times we're going through right now that are filled with much, much, uh, you know, difficulty, heartache, pain. You know, it's not an easy time to live in. Now, there have always been difficult times. It's so interesting <laughs> that people always say, well, we're going through hard times. I think all people of all times have said that. Just like people of all times have always said Jesus is coming soon which is true. I'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, Jesus is coming soon, but don't forget. We don't know if it's tomorrow, in 10 years, in 50 years. We do not know. All Christians of all times have always said the Lord is coming soon. And most of the time they expected Him in their lifetime. So what once was will be no more. Can you imagine a life eternal joy where you enjoy God and His presence forever with no more pain, no more suffering, no more sadness. It will be no more. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about heaven. And there's a lot of stupid jokes about heaven, especially, you know, when somebody dies and they go to the heavenly pearly gates and Peter is waiting there. Let me tell you something. Peter has nothing to do with it, okay? Uh, whether you get into heaven or not, it's all about trusting Jesus. Jesus is the door into heaven. But, hey, let me tell you a joke, okay? Just to, to lighten us up a little bit. Uh, now, don't take this too serious, but it's just funny. A cat dies and goes <laughs> to heaven. And, you know, there at the gate is St. Peter. And uh, Peter says to the cat, man, you have been a good cat. Uh, I've watched you. You've been a good, faithful cat. Uh, come on in, and I want to do something special for you. What can I do for you? He said, well, the cat said, Peter, you know, I've been with a poor family, and um, it's been rough. And the way I've slept down there was most, mostly on hard, hard surfaces. I didn't have really the, the good life down there. Peter said, you know, what do you want me to give you? I want this. I want a fluffy pillow. I can just, just sleep. I, I want a really fluffy pillow. Peter said, okay, um, say no more. He had this special pillow made for this cat and he gave it 
to the cat and the, he gave the, the cat a place to, to stay and to, to live and it was wonderful and the cat was just sleeping on that pillow, that fluffy pillow. A couple of days later, <laughs> uh, half a dozen mice died and they also went to heaven. And also Peter welcomed them and said, hey, here you are, you are good mice, come on in and uh, what can I do for you? You've been such good, good mice down there. What can I do for you? Well, they said, well, you know, Peter, we've, we've had it rough too. We, we've been chased by cats and dogs and, and women with brooms. <laughs> and uh, it's just been tough. This may, this may sound strange to you, but you know what would be cool? We would like to have roller skates. We would like to roller skate around heaven. Wouldn't that be fun? Peter said, well, that's awesome. Say no more. And he had these cutest little roller skates made for the mice, and he gave them to them, and they were skating around heaven, and, and they had fun. A couple of days later, Peter said, well, I better check on my new heavenly uh, inhabitants and see how they're doing. He walks over to the cat and says, cat, cat's yawning on his pillow and saying, oh, hey, Peter, how are you doing? And, and Peter said, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. This is so awesome. This pillow you had made for me, so fluffy. And those, those meals on wheels, <laughs> those meals on wheels are just great. <laughs> so, poor mice. Anyway, obviously, that's not what heaven is all about. There's so much false information about heaven and the afterlife. And uh, I believe Satan wants to slander that. Actually, if you've noticed, Satan slanders three things. Number one, he slanders the person of God, especially Jesus. You can name every name. You can talk about anything. But if you mention the name Jesus, well, watch out. You, will, you, will, you can hear a, a needle drop. You know, uh, and the name of Jesus, God, the person, the real God is being slandered. God's people are being slandered. No, they are persecuted and slandered and God's place. Heaven is being slandered. That's because Satan is a liar. And we know that. And if you know Christ, you know that because he's the truth and Satan is a liar. So everything that is uh, from lie is from Satan, and he's the arch liar and arch murderer. And so I'm going to give you five truths about heaven, just real quick. And the first one is, heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place. In our text in Revelation 4, in verse 1, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. He looked and behold. This basically goes like this. He looked and wow. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh my God. And he, a door was standing open in heaven. And in verse 2, a throne stood in heaven. So we're talking about a real place. He saw Heaven, just like he saw Jesus in chapter 1, he now sees heaven. Now, a few days, about a week before Jesus uh, had his, um, you know, his suffering, not even a week, less than a week probably, 
uh, in John 14, 15 and 16, he talks to them. Actually, 13 through 17 is all within the last hours and days before Jesus was taken captive and tried and crucified, buried and rose again. It's incredible. Uh, he said this in John 14 too, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Now, it doesn't get more clearer than that. Jesus went ahead to prepare a place for us. And it's a good place because it's the place where he is, where God is. And then the verses that follow, uh, you know, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And uh, Thomas says, hey, how shall we know? How shall we know the way? We don't even know where you're going. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, the Apostle Paul said incredible things. But our citizenship is in heaven. Now, you may have the Austrian citizenship or the German citizenship or the American citizenship or the Romanian citizenship or, or the uh, Congolese citizenship or the, the Nigerian citizenship. Wherever you're from, you have your citizenship. You have your passport. And that's okay. That's good. We, I'm an Austrian. My children have an American and Austrian passport. So they have two citizenships on earth. But our real citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. It's incredible what, what it says here. Uh, we will be with Him. We will be transformed and a true follower of Jesus is eagerly awaiting a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, do you know how you know that you have a right relationship with Jesus? When you're longing to see Him, when you're longing for His comeback, when you're longing for His second coming. He came for the first time as a baby and He was slaughtered like a lamb. He'll come again like a lion and like a, a, a victor with the, with the, with the sword, um, the, the double-edged sword out of his mouth, and he will take over. He will win by his presence and by his word. And heaven is a real place. And we long for Jesus to come down from heaven and to come back for us. It's incredible. Heaven is a real place. Truth number two, everything that is important to us will be in heaven. You say, really? Will everything that is important to me be there? And I say emphatically, yes. Well, but here's the key. We don't even know what is really important to us most of the time. See, what we think is important to us down here in in, real, in reality, at, at the end of the day, at the end of this life, it's not really important. But what is really important will be there for sure. You will not have lack there 
and you will not have the feeling like I'm missing something here. Our Father will be there. God the Father, Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven. So we know our Father is there. Jesus is there. Loved ones that have gone ahead of us will be there. Real values will be there. Real riches. See, I don't know how much money you have or don't have or what you own or don't own or how much real estate you have or don't have. Fact is, you can't take any of it with you. What you need is real riches. Like the church at Laodicea, they had everything. They had, you know, riches. They, they were well off. There was hardly any per persecution there. You know, and, and Jesus says, you're lukewarm. You're lukewarm. I don't, I don't like what I'm tasting. I wish you were hot or cold, but you're not. You're lukewarm. They, they thought they were rich. They thought they had the real thing, but they, had it. they didn't have it. But real life, real riches, real joy and eternal joy, all that will be in heaven for us. So we don't have to worry about anything missing there. It's all going to be there. Everything that's really important to us will be there. Colossians 3 since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, on heavenly things, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Man, this is, I mean, I need about a couple hours to, to just to preach this message. Really, I'm just, I'm just uh, you know, hurrying through it as fast as I can because it's so awesome. Uh, Christ has been raised and he's alive. He's seated at the right hand of God and we should set our minds, our hearts on heavenly things, not on earthly things. And our old life died. And our new life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is my life, who is your life, who is our life, appears, when he comes, then you also, you and I, we will appear with him in glory. We will be changed. We will see him and we'll be changed. We will be like him. And so let's focus on heavenly things. It is our home. Everything that is important to, to me is at home. Now, number three, truth number three, heaven is a place of worship. Now, as we already saw in our text in verse eight, it says, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the, th the things, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who's, who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you our Lord and God to receive Glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So they were worshiping. 
They were worshiping all day long. They were worshiping. Heaven is a place of worship. Some people might say, well, that's boring. I mean, I like church and all, but 24-7 church? I don't think that's what that is saying. Uh, but we will do in heaven what is the most enjoyable of all, and that is to be with Jesus because that's what it's all about. Man's final uh, end, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's what you were made for. That's what I was made for. Now, I don't know if you'll be playing golf or knitting or playing tennis or, or computer games. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, but whatever you really, really enjoy here, what you, will, what you will be doing in heaven, you will enjoy infinitely more. Heaven is a place of worship. And we worship him because he's the creator of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. He's the reason for all things. He's the end of all things. So we worship him. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a place where everything is that is important to us, to you and to me. Heaven is a place of worship. We worship God and worship makes happy. And truth number four, heaven is an eternal place. There's no time in eternity. There's no stress. There's no time pressure there. And like I said already in this message, Jesus is coming soon. That's very true. But it was also true when Paul wrote it. It was also true when Jesus said it that he's coming again. Because in God's mind, in God's realm, in the unseen realm, there is no time like we feel it here. There's no stress, no time pressure. See, God is not stressed about what's going on in the world today. He's not saying, oh my God, I hope this time is over soon. No, in God's eyes, in God's mind, it is all very, very soon. And there is no pressure of time, no stress. And yes, I don't know if Jesus is coming back in my lifetime, but he's coming back soon. That's very true. And hey, I just happen to believe he might come back in my lifetime. But I also have to say I don't know. And Christians that lived before me have said or thought the same thing. But I do want him to come back. I am eagerly awaiting his coming. So heaven is eternal. Heaven is real. Heaven is the place where everything is that's important to you and me. Heaven is a place of worship. Heaven is an eternal place. And last but not least, heaven is an open place. We read in verse 1, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. I love that. The door is not just unlocked, you know, like you can open it easy. It is actually standing open. Heaven is an open place. Heaven is open. The door is open. For who? For those who believe and trust in Jesus completely. Now, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, the Apostle Paul said that God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, will everyone be saved? I don't think so. That's not what it says, but God wants, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, only begotten son, and whosoever believes in him 
would not perish but have eternal life. God wishes for you to find the truth. He is the truth. And he wants you to turn around and to repent and to trust him completely. He wants all people to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why we do what we do. That's why we proclaim. What happens to somebody? That's why we proclaim the good news, the gospel. What happens to somebody who never hears the gospel? You know, I get, I get asked that every once in a while. I, I don't know the answer, but I do know this. God is love. God is a God of grace and mercy. And I know many stories. I have no guarantee that it will happen to everybody, but I, I just hope that it happens to the people that never heard. But I know stories of people who are on their deathbed that always made fun of, of the church and the things of God and at, on their deathbed, like my grandfather, who never trusted Jesus, as far as we know. We don't know for sure, but he always made fun of church. He was an undertaker. He buried dead people. He actually had a job for the Catholic church, but he always made fun of church and the things of God. And he never shared about Jesus ever. But on his deathbed, he couldn't speak anymore. He had a stroke. But all of a sudden, the day he died, he started saying, Jesus, Jesus, over and over again, he could say, Jesus. That's all he said. That was, was his final words. And that's before any of us in the family had a personal relationship with Christ. Now, I'm not saying that this is a guarantee, because if it's a guarantee, we can stop preaching the gospel. <laughs> we don't know. We have to glorify Jesus by preaching the gospel. We have to glorify Jesus by doing missions and bringing Jesus to the nations, absolutely. But I believe God is love, and God is a gracious, merciful God. And at the end, He knows what He's doing. I'm not the one to tell Him what to do. I know He wants people to be saved. He wants people to, to come to a knowledge of the truth. He loves the world. He loves the people. And He wants people to come to see Him and be saved. Jesus said, I am the door. And the Apostle John said in 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, nor the things of this world. Love not the world, nor the things of this world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Don't love that. See, don't worship that. Love God. Worship God. Because you will love something. You will worship something. And the truth of the matter is what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about the future is how you live in the now. So when you know the truth about heaven and the future new heaven and new earth, the, Eden the Edenic new condition, a new garden of Eden globally, when you know that God will make all things new, that that it takes faith in Jesus to get there, then you will live accordingly. And that's my prayer for you, that you see Jesus, that you see heaven, that you realize Jesus is the way there for everyone. And uh, that's why we need to pray for people and proclaim the good news to people about Jesus. And the rest is up to him. He's the Savior, not me, not you. And I just pray 
that you would get hungry for Jesus' return, that you'd get hungry for Jesus and His love and heaven and eagerly wait for His second coming because that's where we're going. I don't know what's all going to happen till then, but I know, I know He'll be back. <laughs> I know He'll be back. And it'll be a glorious reuniting with those who love Him and are looking for His appearance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, good God, I thank you so much for that person watching right now. I pray that your will be done in their lives. God, I pray for a revelation of Jesus, a revelation of heaven, a revelation of the future reward for those who trust in Christ. I pray, God, that you would speak to people's hearts right now about your love. You love no matter what they have done, what they're doing right now. You love them and you want them to trust you. You want to be their Savior. You want to be the one who saves them from sin, from death, from hell, from darkness and bring them into new life, eventually to heaven and eventually to a new paradise. If you're here and you want that, you want to be in on this <laughs> heavenly plan, on this heavenly program. It's not a program. It's a heavenly plan. It's God's historic plan. See, the Bible is history. It talks about the past and the future, and it's the unfolding of God's eternal plan from the beginning of creation till the end of time. If you want to be part of that, you need Jesus. For God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Romans 10.9, Paul said, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, Jesus, you're my Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Are you ready to confess Him with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead after He was in the grave? Then pray this with me. Say this and mean it. God, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Jesus, you died for me. I believe that. As good as I can right now, I believe that. I trust you. Save me. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I give you my life. I receive your life. I ask you, Jesus, to make me new and to receive me in the family of God. I'm now a citizen of heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have been a Jesus follower for a while, but uh, you, know, you, you know you have not been living like a citizen of heaven and you're not really that jacked jacked about him coming back that soon well he's coming back but just not yet then you need to check your heart you need to check the letters in chapter two and three of of revelation about maybe lukewarmness or you know having lost your first love or you know loving the world instead of god he forgives you come to him and tell him that you will wholeheartedly follow him now and that you can't wait for him to come back.
That's my prayer for you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being part of this. Please share this if you liked it. And, uh, you know, help us spread the good news because Jesus is Lord. He's coming back and there's no other way. And the church, the Lord Jesus Christ and his body, his followers, that's what the church is, is the only real answer to the problems of our, of our world today. I'll see you next week.